So what I am going to be preaching on in the, the next couple of weeks is the Lord's Prayer. Um, so if you remember a couple of weeks ago we did a discipleship survey in the church and uh, could you throw that up there Abraham um, and it was really good to see I uh, don't know if you can read that but the majority of us here at Bentley pray uh, at least once a week so the yellow 38% is the number or the percentage of people who said they pray four or more days a week the red is those who pray one to three times a week and then the blue, 32%, never or rarely pray. So when I look at that chart, I see there's a, a bunch of people who are praying probably daily, I imagine. 40% um, praying uh, at least four days a week, probably more. So that's fantastic. But I also look at that chart and it seems pretty obvious from those figures anyway that a bunch of us actually struggle uh, a bit with prayer and a quarter don't pray at all. So I said a couple of weeks ago I feel the Lord is uh, telling us to emphasise prayer more over the coming year and I think this bears it out. So the question of course then is why? I mean prayer is something that is fundamental to us as Christians I would actually argue that prayer is more than just a Christian thing. It's a basic human instinct because every religion has some form of prayer. And in fact, you know, they say there are no atheists in foxholes. It's, it's a human thing. Even people who don't believe in God, when it comes to a crisis, will very often cry out to the God that they don't believe in. And so prayer is really something fundamental to us. In fact, belief in God, just as an aside, is fundamental. You know, there was a study done in Japan. So Japan overall is an uh, atheist country. Now, they follow Shintoism and, and Buddhism, but not forms of those religions that believe in a God. So although they may believe in spirituality, they don't believe in a divine heavenly being like we do. And yet a study showed that children born into and brought up in that culture initially have some kind of belief in a God they haven't gained it from their parents because their parents don't believe in God it seems that this belief in God this need for God and prayer to God is really basic to who we are as people and yet very often it is something that we struggle with and I do notice it here in BBC and you're not alone but we come together in a prayer meeting and there'll be those who just, you know, don't, don't speak out prayer. Uh, we'll, we'll gather for, uh, a, and, you know, whatever meeting and would someone like to pray and this is deadly silence. Don't pick me, don't pick me. So what is it about prayer that we really struggle with? And this is not to berate or chastise anyone at all today. That is not my goal. My goal is to give us some tools and to help us think through what's going on so that our prayer life can be enriched and so that we, uh, we can be confident in prayer. Now, of course, 
for some people in that chart, uh, it may simply be life circumstances that have led you to this place where you don't have a lot of time for prayer. I was uh, looking through some stats and a pre-Pew Research, Pew is a big research organisation in America, uh, and one of their surveys found that daily prayer, so people who prayed more daily were less likely to have kids, all right? Think about that. So having children, (laughs) you were less likely to pray, right? Because... And particularly young parents, you know how hectic it can be, right? I mean, Andrea, when, when our kids were all, all young, and, and she will tell you what a dry time that was spiritually because she was just running after these kids and running after life and didn't have a lot of time just to go away with the Lord. So sometimes it is just, you know, we go through busy patches and a busy patch, a season can be a long season sometimes, and we just don't feel we have that time or that energy for prayer. And, uh, you know, sometimes if we're genuinely in that season, we, we need to be a little bit easy on ourselves and lean into God's grace and, and connect with Him in whatever way we can. I've also shared in the past how my experience of the Holy Spirit radically transformed my prayer life. Uh, used to be dry and really difficult. Honestly, I was one of those people who probably wouldn't be putting up my hand to pray. And uh, please don't pick me. But uh, then I had what I can only describe as an experience of being filled with the Spirit that just transformed my prayer life and my worship life. And my whole relationship with God came alive. And we'll look at that in, in a few minutes. But, you know, I think also one of the things that we really struggle with prayer is knowing what to pray and how to pray. Sometimes we can be a little bit intimidated praying, particularly uh, in public. Although those uh, statistics, if, if people read them, um, were for personal prayer, so this shouldn't be such an issue. But, you know, some people can pray really passionate, eloquent prayers. Uh, there's a Christian leader in, in the city who's well-respected, and I uh, was in a prayer meeting with him once, and we were reflecting afterwards, and someone said, you know, when, when John prays, you want to sort of take notes with all the references, because his prayers are so rich and biblical and theological. And if, if you're not one of those sorts of people, you can feel really intimidated. Oh, I just, if I open up my mouth, I'm going to mess this up. I don't know how to pray. And so we need uh, to have some tools about how to pray. You know, we often come with an agenda to prayer. But have you thought that God has an agenda for prayer as well? So we've, uh, we've been discussing the Lord's prayer in our discipleship group. And I've really been struck by how rich it is. Um, Jesus said, when we pray, we're to pray like this. And that sets our heart uh, on God's agenda for prayer. And so, as I said, we're going to spend the next two weeks digging into this. So we're going to read the Lord's Prayer now. Uh, You'll find it in Matthew 5, uh, sorry, Matthew 6, chapter... Sorry, I um, haven't had much sleep this week. Matthew 6, uh, verse 9, chapter then verse. Jesus said, Therefore you should pray like this. 
Now he says, like this. It doesn't mean you have to parrot this prayer, although it, it's absolutely fine to do that if you get stuck. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so this morning we're just going to focus on verses uh, 9 and 10, the second half of verse 9 and verse 10. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus begins his agenda for our prayer life uh, with teaching us how to address God. Such a simple thing, you think. But actually what Jesus was teaching was quite radical. When we come to God, I wonder how you address God. When you're praying or talking about how do you address Him, a lot of us will just say God or the Lord. And of course, that's absolutely valid. It's very biblical. If I'm uh, conducting a funeral, depending on the circumstances, because most of the funerals I do are not Christian, but sometimes there'll be a little bit of Christian uh, background or something and um, some of the prayers I use borrow from the the prayer book or whatever and it's almighty God well that sounds very formal but in that situation um, there's a lot of people who don't know God there and uh, it's an appropriate way to address him in that situation but Jesus invites us to address God not even with his name and certainly not with a formal title, but as Father. He invites us to address God through our relationship with Him. Now, the Jews had a sense of God as the Father, but it was more God as the Father of the nation. There wasn't this sense of God being my Father. And so this is the beginning of God's agenda for prayer for us is that we come as children to our Heavenly Father. Now I know some of us have had very negative experiences of our fathers and you think, I wouldn't go to my father for anything. Um, and sometimes there needs to be some healing in, in that area. But we also just need to try and change our frame of reference a little bit. If you want to know what God as Father means, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the attitude of Jesus. Jesus was one with his Father. Um, he only did what the Father showed him and told him to do. Uh, he acted out of the Father's heart because Jesus was God. And that is the Father we're invited to come. That's the fatherhood of God. It's that spirit that we see in Jesus. It's that love, that grace, that compassion that we come to. And so the first thing in coming in prayer is understanding this. This is a Father who will receive us. My kids, although they drive me crazy sometimes, they don't have to come all eloquent and with fancy words and having all their stuff together for me to love them for me to listen to them or at least for Andrea to listen to them maybe they have to have their stuff together a bit more with me sometimes but anyway, that's. 
The fatherhood of God. We, we've got to get this frame of reference right, right from the start, if we're going to be able to engage in prayer in a Christian way. In fact, someone has said, Father is the Christian name for God. Romans 8.14, Paul uh, expands on this a bit. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Paul writes, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba. Daddy is as close as we get to that, although Abba has some other connotations there that are a bit deeper and richer. By the Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We are God's children. We are heirs. Everything God has is ours because of this relationship. In John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And, and so it's through faith in Jesus that we're born again by the Spirit into this adoption with the Father. And that is who we are as His children. So we don't come to a God who's far away and doesn't care, who's indifferent to our our needs, our prayers. Uh, we don't need to placate him or bribe him. Just before this prayer, Jesus says, hey, you don't need to use a lot of words like the Gentiles do. And then he gives this very simple prayer. We come as children to their loving Father. And so my first question for you to think about is if you struggle with prayer, are you living in the reality of the new birth in the Holy Spirit? Is the Spirit energizing your prayers? He's not just our Father. Jesus says, our Father in heaven. Oh, isn't that just stating the obvious? Um, that saying, where else would God be, I guess? Well, God is everywhere. Well, our Father in heaven isn't just a statement about where God lives. It's a statement about His power and His glory. We have this intimate relationship with God as Father, but He's also transcendent. He's far above us. He is glorious. Uh, we can't look upon Him uh, or else we'd perish. But so beginning this prayer isn't just about approaching God as Father, although it is that. It's also remembering that our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, runs the universe. He is sovereign, He is powerful, He is worthy of all glory. We approach a God who wants to answer our prayers because He's our Father and who can because He is sovereign over all creation. 
So in prayer, Jesus reminds us or wants to remind us to remind ourselves about who God is to us and who we are to him. That we are loved by him, that we're in relationship with him. And you can have a prayer time that just stays there and gets nowhere else. And that's a great prayer time. Jesus wants us to linger a little longer on that name. What we call Father, he says, your name be honoured as holy. And you know, as our Father's children, we should be concerned about our Father's name. And notice that this is the beginning of prayer. This is where we start, not with my needs, but with his concerns. Now, if you've grown up with the King James Version, uh, you might have noticed a bit of change here. Uh, The traditional version is, hallowed be your name. Who knows what hallowed means? A few do. Yeah, that's why we have modern translations. King James is great, but... um, Hallow is an old English word that translates the Greek for sanctify or to make holy uh, or to set apart as holy. But God's already holy. So, you know, praying that God will be holy doesn't really make a sen- any sense. He can't become more holy than he is. So that's why the, the Christian Standard Bible that I read and a lot of other modern translations say something like, your name be honoured as holy. So why do we pray that God's name would be honoured or treated as holy? Well, the Ten Commandments say, the Third Commandment in the Ten Commandments says, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Again, the old, the way you might remember it of memorise it is don't take the Lord, uh, the name of the Lord your God in vain. And there, that command is referring to God's covenant name with the Jews, which was Yahweh, Yahweh. the Jews were so careful to obey that command that they never even pronounced that divine name. Your Bible, your Old Testament, is full of references to it, but only one or two translations actually translate it directly. It will be the Lord in your translation in capital letters. A name carries a lot of weight, or it carries a lot of baggage. Maybe uh, there's a name. Have you ever had someone, you hear their name and you're just like, freeze up. Bad experiences, don't want to go any further with this conversation. Or it might just be, yeah, that person. Very negative connotations. Or maybe you've heard a name, if you've ever been in love, and your heart goes... Or you just you hear a name and your heart just warms because it's a friend or, or someone you admire or something. People, uh, celebrities and companies go to great lengths to protect their name, their brand, their reputation because having a, a bad name can ruin them. People treat names with honour or with contempt depending on their perception and relationship with that person. And this is because a name isn't just a label that we give someone. It actually represents them. When someone speaks in the name of the Queen, for example, they come with all the authority of the Queen. When someone speaks ill of someone we love, what does it do to you? It grieves us, right? It might make us angry. 
we want to stand up and defend them. When we hear people saying good things about people we love, it warms us. We're like, this is great. And you want to sort of pile on with, uh, with all that good stuff. So God, by definition, because He's God, is worthy of all honour and glory. And so to misuse the name of God is actually a grievous sin. I'm, often, I'm sure you've often heard, because it's very common, the name of Jesus misused. And how many of you are like me? It's just like, set my teeth on edge. So when we pray that God's name is honoured, we're praying that people will honour Him. We're praying that people will worship Him. Um, and to do that, of course, people need to recognise Him. And the fact is that if we want to have right order in the world, it has to begin by honouring God, the Creator of the world. And so God's agenda for prayer begins with people honouring His name. But not only in prayer do we pray that people will honour His name, we honour His name. We bring praise and worship in prayer. That's how we can begin a prayer time. And so, again, a question, how does that reflect your own prayer life? Do you honour His name as you should? So beginning our prayer with praise is a good place to start. And actually, if you go no further than that, it's a good place to finish as well. And I noticed um, I'll be getting, getting the charts out uh, in the next couple of weeks, I hope, uh, from, from the survey, just so you can see where we are. But if you did the survey, you remember that there was um, devotional activities you do. And what are the extras that you do? And a lot of people said worship was one of the extras that, uh, that they did so that that's fantastic that's where we start with prayer so God's agenda for prayer begins with acknowledging God as our father in heaven and a concern for his honor then it moves into God's agenda for our world and that agenda Jesus says is that his kingdom will be established on earth now Jesus had a lot of things to say about the kingdom. If you read Matthew, it's just like every chapter seems to have something to say about it. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus comes saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. In Luke 17, 20 to 21, the Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom was going to come, thinking it was future, this man is, seems to be claiming to be the Messiah. Uh, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there. For you see, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And then in Matthew 13, uh, 40 to 43, he says, Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered, so he's telling a parable about the end of the age just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire so it will be at the end of the age the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom let anyone who has ears listen Matthew 25, 
34 as well. Then uh, another uh, parable about the sheep and the goats, and it says at the end of that, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so what we, we have in praying for the kingdom is sort of three aspects past present and future we're praying that the kingdom will come in our midst jesus says the kingdom of god is among you and when we're praying for the kingdom we're praying for his kingdom to be manifest among us you know the kingdom isn't just something that we wait for the end of time for because you know we're living in the last days we've been living in the last days as god's church for the last two thousand years the kingdom has been being manifest and when we want to see that in our midst. We're also praying that the kingdom will come into the hearts of people around us, that they'll be saved. This is an evangelistic prayer. And we are also praying for the future to arrive. That time when God separates the sheep from the goats, when he weeds out all the different kinds of fish that are caught up in his net when he separates the wheat and the chaff or the wheat and the weeds so to pray for god's kingdom is a big prayer and it's an exciting prayer we want to see heaven touching earth we want to see heaven coming into our church into our lives into our families into our communities into our workplaces what does that look like what would that mean if the kingdom of God was manifest in our midst like that. So this is a charismatic prayer, it's an evangelistic prayer, and it's an eschatological prayer. So eschatology is the study of the end times. So what, is it, what does it look like for you, for us, to pray like that? God's agenda for prayer invites us to dream about these things and, and to ask Him to bring His agenda for the world and our families and for our lives into reality. And if we let this grip us, if we get this vision, see, starting with our Father in heaven, if we raise our vision and then we think, in heaven, coming down to earth, how is that going to transform our prayer life? I think our prayers will become more urgent. Not out of, well, not so much a desperation, although maybe that, but an excitement. What are the possibilities? Jesus said, pray for your kingdom to come. What are the possibilities if his kingdom would come? In ways like Jesus demonstrated. I mean, we don't even have to have the miracles, really, when you think about the sort of community that Jesus formed, when you think about the life transformation that, that happened when Jesus touched them. What would happen if lives were changed like that? And if you struggle with prayer, and even if you don't, are you praying God's agenda? Are you starting the way Jesus told us to start? I think part of our struggle with prayer is just that very often we begin with our concerns. A lot of people will only come to prayer when 
They need something. When things are desperate. And that's a good thing to do. I mean, I think God invites that because we're relying on Him. But we can't, I don't think we can rightly pray for the things of earth if we don't have the right vision for heaven. We've got to have it in context. This world and everything going on in it can, can look so overwhelming. God wants us to lift our eyes to heaven. The world is ultimately under His dominion. And if we're going to pray with the sort of hope and faith that will energize prayer and see God's kingdom come, we need to remember that. We need to remember that it's under His dominion. And we're transformed when we start to cast our eyes upwards like that. And this lifting our eyes up is one of the great gifts of prayer. It lifts us up from the concerns of this world and transports us to heaven. If we're praying in the Spirit, whatever that means, um, it doesn't really matter, but we have the Spirit with us, God with us, heaven is touching earth. It's an awesome thing. Ephesians 2.6 says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. God has raised us up with Christ. We now exist in Christ because we're united with Christ. We belong to another realm. We're children of heaven. So when we follow Jesus' prayer agenda, we remember who we are as we acknowledge who God is. Um, we're given a higher vision to pray into um, and in prayer we're invited into God's great mission in the world and that's really exciting. So if you struggle with not knowing what to pray for or you're feeling like your prayers are a bit of a waste of time, frankly, and hey, I have times like that as well. It's like I just feel like I'm nothing, nothing happening. This isn't very exciting but if that's regularly what you experience, and I want to give you a challenge, uh, an assignment, just for the next couple of weeks. Try, try to do this regularly. Because sometimes, again, we, we come with our own agenda. We haven't lifted our eyes up to heaven. We, we're not praying regularly. Um, and you know when you don't do something regularly, get out of condition? Some of you go to the gym regularly. And you can probably ramp it up, right, when you, when you need to. The rest of us, we don't go to the gym so regularly. When we ramp it up, we really feel it because we're not being regular, right? You know, if I go to the gym tomorrow, I actually let my gym membership go because that's another story. But I'm going to suffer if I ramp it up, right? And it's, I'm not going I'm, I'm to be out of condition. It's just not going to work because I haven't been regular in it. And it's the same thing with prayer when we're not regular in it and then we suddenly come in desperation or whatever and this isn't really working and it's like because we're out of practice, we're out of condition and, and, and so on. So here's what I want to encourage you to do regularly. doesn't have to be long. Five minutes. Don't come into prayer feeling like you have to pray for anyone or anything in particular. You can if you want, feel free, but 
but don't feel that pressure don't feel what do i pray for we've got it here just begin by reflecting on your relationship with god who he is to you your father what that means for you to him your child and just reflect that back to him with thanksgiving or praise that he's in heaven and that i'm a citizen of heaven i'm a child of heaven what does that mean let that just lift that up before god as as thanksgiving and praise spend time honoring him in prayer Here's one prayer you can pray. Pray that your life will bring honor to his name. Praying that his name be honored. May we be agents of that. If you get to there regularly, you might just want to nudge it on a little bit and pray that his name will be honored in your family, in your workplace, in your world. Spend time asking him that his kingdom will come in whatever way that looks like it'll come with greater force into the lives and life of people and those around you and if you do that and you do it regularly you might just find that you start to get into condition praying god's agenda will enliven your prayers that god will feel more present in your prayers that your eyes will be lifted up have a heavenly vision you might just discover some new things in Christ about you and about him why don't we just do this now could I ask you to please stand and uh, if the team wants to come forward for the final song let's just pray now so father we come before you and we thank you father what a great gift it is that we have this relationship with you and in prayer this is where you want us to begin and so father we just want to express our amazement at you your grace to us the wonder that we are your children that we are your family that we are children of heaven father we honor you we love you we worship you Father, we pray that you will be exalted in our lives, in our words, in our witness, in our actions and activity. Let your name be honoured in us and through us and around us. And Father, as people lean into prayer, (coughs) I pray that they will start to see a manifestation of your kingdom in ways that they have not known in the past. I pray that for me. I pray that for our congregating together. What a wonder that would be. And Father, not just for us, but for the world, that your kingdom will come to those around us. Father, what an exciting thing it would be if we saw lives changed. Father, if we just had a little bit of boldness to pray for someone or to pray into a situation or a Lord at least in the background be praying for them even if they don't realize it. 
And Father, I pray for those who are struggling with prayer or who are perhaps faithful in prayer and just find it a little bit dry all the same. Father, that this reality of our relationship with you, of the new birth into a living hope that we have in Jesus, that the manifestation of your kingdom among us will bring a new life into our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.